our children and our young people, our teachers. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I love them. It's great to have our visitors here today, those that are visiting with us. We welcome you. We're glad that you're here and want you to feel welcome and like you can always come back. Amen. If you see somebody that you maybe don't know that well or haven't seen in a while, feel free to introduce yourself. Be friendly. Amen. Friendliness is next to godliness. I don't think that's a Bible verse, but I think it's pretty true. I know the Bible says that if a man wants to have friends, he's got to show himself friendly. Amen. Why don't you turn to the book of Song of Solomon. I'm going to give you an extra minute to find that one because we don't read that one very often here collectively. But Song of Solomon, chapter 2. We'll start at verse 3. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 3. I believe the Lord wants to help us today, and I'm thankful that I feel His presence here, all that He's going to do in a, a great way. But I believe He has something for us. He wants to help people today. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 3. It says, as the apple tree. Everybody ever seen an apple tree? Come on, you live in Yakima. I know you have. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. So picture an apple tree and then put that thing right in the middle of just a wooded area that's not cultivated. And that apple tree is going to stand out, right? So that's the visual that it gives here. That is how my beloved is among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight. Would you say under his shadow? With great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Next verse. He brought me to the banqueting house. And his banner over me was love. This is a, this is a nice, vivid picture that it gives me here of what we can have with God. What we can have. I'm not going to say what we have because... This is a two-way relationship, and I only get the benefits of the relationship with him if I'm doing my part as well. But when I am, and we see this so much, his, his banner over me is love. So it gives two depictions. One is I sit under the tree, and I'm in the shadow of the apple tree. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, a protection over me. It's a covering over over me. And then this one, it says, he took me to the banqueting house, or we went to a, I, I see this and I just see a date. I see a couple on a date. He took me to the banqueting house. He, he, he took me to a, a special place where we get food and drinks and refreshments, and we, we were able to sit there and, and just have this one-on-one -on -one time. And his banner over me is love. 
banner, it, it, it really means pretty much what you think or what you might picture when you think of a banner. We think of signs hanging or oftentimes in this Old Testament when they talk about a banner, they talk about a flag. But it's the same, it's the same idea, a, a symbol, a, a big symbol and his banner over me. Now, just if you have to close your eyes and just picture a couple on a date and they're in a nice restaurant, maybe candlelit dinner, he and her, and they're sitting there, and there's just this flag over them, this banner over them, and it says, love. That is what we can have with God. And I'm not just looking for a date with him. But this is a depiction of my life and my relationship with him, how close it can be. I look at these passages and I see security. Everybody say security. security. I see security here. I'm secure in my relationship with him. I know that he's watching over me. I know that he is my covering and my protection. His banner over me it is love. If you will look at Isaiah chapter 59, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 18. According to their deeds. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I ever, I was going to say often, but I don't think that, I don't know that I ever think of God as a, 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 a boyfriend. I don't, I don't, it's not how I really often relate to him or think of him. First of all, I've never had a boyfriend. I'm never going to have one. I have had girlfriends. I shouldn't put an S on that, but uh, I have a wife and I'm so thankful for her. Many of you, you're, you're married, you have a close uh, partner that, you're, that you get to re relate with this. But, and, and then I, so I, I think I've got that relationship and then I've got God in some other completely different facet, different relationship. I don't relate to him as like what the scripture might say, the lover of my soul. No, I, I think of him as, the, uh, you know, the one that's supposed to meet my needs. The one that's supposed to be there whenever I need to go to him. And those things are true that he does, but he, honestly, the scripture is full of proof that he desires a loving relationship with each one of us. He desires a loving relationship. He loves your soul. Well, I'm not going to spend the time, but we've talked about this. We're humans. We're body, soul, and spirit. And we were soul before we were anything else. And he loves your soul. He knows who you are. And he still loves you. Loves you. Now we're going to talk a little bit differently. Isaiah, but we're still talking about, this is... This is my God. This is what he can do, what he does. According to their deeds, according to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries. 
recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay recompense. Next verse. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And this next passage, you know this. You probably didn't know this is the verse that it's in, but we read it, we say it, we even sing it sometimes in songs. But it says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The same banner that I get to sit and dine under, the same banner that gives me protection and comfort and thank the Lord for shade. I've been able to find a little bit of shade at times this last week, but we need that right now, right? But I can sit under that banner and find comfort, peace, protection, love, all of those things that he's the one that will also lift up a standard against the enemy and the enemy that comes against you. Say me. The enemy that comes against me, he raises up. Now, I like how this says that this is this is actually war, like wartime imagery when it says he will lift up a standard. Most often this word in the Old Testament is, uh, is used for the word flag and it talks about, you know, with the children of Israel. As we read through the Old Testament, it's really the story of the children of Israel. But as the Lord's given them direction and saying, okay, you, this tribe go over there and your camp's here and you stay there, he tells them, you take your flag. You've got your flag. You've got your flag. So we, we, they know what that flag represents. It represents that people, that group, that tribe. And the Lord has his flag. The Lord has his banner. It says it at the start of this verse, they will fear the name of the Lord. The name is what goes on the banner, what goes on the flag, the symbol. Maybe it's not just the letters, but if, even if we think about like medieval times, old times, war times, even if we think about old glory, I see some, I see some representations here of old glory today. The red, the white, the blue, because of this... I see it right there, Brother Jaden, on your shirt. Uh, we, so we know, we, repre we, we identify with that. Amen. I see the flag of the United States of America, and I know that's me. <laughs> when it's time for the Olympics, how do you know who's who? The flags, the colors they're wearing, right? It's all over their, their gear everywhere and so that's how they are identified if i if i'm I, I don't know who is the uh triathlete the top triathlete in germany i don't have a clue who that is but if i saw the competition and i see oh that's that color or the flag the representation of that country then i know the Lord's flag 
The Lord's banner, it is his name. It is his identity. And that is what he raises against your enemy when they try to come against you. But I love it even more because it's not just hoisting the flag. I don't know, did anybody ever do that in, in maybe in school, elementary school, middle school, high school? We had a flagpole and we had a certain crew of, of kids. They knew the importance of what they were doing. And, you know, it's, you let it down and you, you fold it up a certain way and then you put it. And so, you know, that's the action of raising the flag. But also in the meaning of this verse, when it says that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard Inherent in that meaning is, and the enemy will turn and flee. Because it's not like, you know, I, like, here we go, this is my weapon, this is my armor, this is my gear. No, it is, I'm the Lord God Almighty, and you better run. And the enemy knows. That's the Lord God Almighty. I have no place here. The enemy turns and flees. Can't win. The enemy cannot win against God. Psalms chapter 127, verse 1. Psalm 127 and 1. While you're turning there, let me tell you just a quick story. I told somebody this story last week, and um, the recollection of it has not left me. Everybody know, many of you know, where Brian Harris used cars is in Selah. You, you, you go into Selah, and as soon as you get into the town, it's that first car lot on the left. Well, a while back I had a car and I was trying to sell it and I knew it was bottom, bottom rung. And so I thought, I'm just going to go around and see if I can, you know, if any of these car lots want to take this off my hands. I was there at that car lot, went and talked to somebody, showed them, you know, some things. I go to leave the car lot, head back to Yakima. And I, as I pull up, you might also know that there's, I don't know if that's the Greenway, but it is a trail that comes out of Yakima and into Selah. There's also the train tracks there. You know, the trolley runs by it. I, I, I'm right there, and I'm, I'm waiting to turn back onto that main avenue. All of a sudden, I, I'm the only one in the car. All of a sudden, crap, I'm looking left, and I hear a crash to the right, and I see a cyclist phew, right over the hood of my car. I mean, completely. Not like, you know, he bumped the front. No, he hit about back where the tires are and went over. Well, that's a hill, and he's obviously going fast, right? And he gets up, and he is mad. He says, you hit me. And I'm thinking, no, I'm, I'm just sitting here, and I'm waiting to turn right. If anybody hit anybody, I wasn't the one that did the hitting. He goes over to his bicycle. It's in one of those nice, you know, road bikes that are, are, you know, just probably thousands of dollars worth and hit the, the wheels all bent and the thing's not. He's like, what am I supposed to do now? And he's mad. He's very mad. And he's blaming all this on me. And I'm just thinking, I'm sorry, man, that this happened. This is not my fault. 
and he's, you're going to pay for this. You got to, you, you know, this bike costs all this money. And I'm, <laughs> I'm about to have some kids that are about to enter driving age. And one of the first things I remember is if you get in an accident, don't admit guilt. Right? That's just little life 101. But I knew I, it wasn't me anyways. But he's sitting there saying, you got it, you got it, you did this. You. And we, he, he wants to go in and even talk to the owner of the business. This happened on your property. You, you owe me. And I'm like, wow, this guy is, he's pretty serious about his, his bicycle that got damaged. And I just happened to be the one sitting behind the wheel. I'm going somewhere with this story. He, he, he leaves. He's mad. I'm thinking, okay, I'm sorry. I, I got to move on with my day. I've got other things I got to do. And I hate to leave you in this state, but my job here is done. About a day later, well, so I think back in that, in that uh, office, we were exchanging information because, you know, I thought, well, I've got insurance, and if they can pay or whatever, you know, we'll see what happens. About a day later, I get a phone call and didn't recognize the number I answered. It's a 509 number. It says, uh, is this Caleb Flower? Yes. This is Lieutenant such and such with the Sela Police Department. I'm thinking, okay. I don't get these calls very often. Now, I don't know. Many of you, some of you have had dealings with law enforcement. Some of you haven't. Some of you probably more so than me. Some of you probably less than me. But those, if there's anything that like gets you alert and gets every sense standing on end, it's interaction with law enforcement. I'm thinking, oh, well, what did I do? He says, did you, were you involved in a car accident? Well, this guy hit my car with his bike. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your address? I should have thought for a second. But... In those instances, you're not always, you know, clear-minded and level-headed and, and thinking, uh, you know, maybe is this a good idea? Is this not a good idea? Who is this? What's your name? You know, all that. I'm just thinking, and I blurted it out, told him my, ad, my address, and then click. And now I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think that was Lieutenant such and such. He wouldn't just say, I called the police department back. They're closed that day. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, what did I just do? <laughs> but see, I got a wife and kids at home. I just gave them my address. I go to work during the day. And I've got somebody steaming mad at me that thinks I owe them thousands of dollars. What is going to happen? And I, I'll tell you, fear hit me like it doesn't often. And I started, I'm thinking, well, first of all, I've got to call my wife and give her a heads up. <laughs> Keep the doors locked. You know, put away all. But, but I start to, my mind just goes to this place immediately. They could do this, they could take that, they could run in and do this, and, and, and whatever they feel like they're entitled to or whatever. Clearly, we're not playing by just normal rules here. I mean, he's impersonating an officer. That's pretty serious. But about, I don't know, two or three days went by, 
and I'm just a nervous wreck. I'm on end. And I, oh, the whole time I'm at work, I'm thinking, they're probably in the backyard right now. They're probably looking through the window. Whatever they're doing, I don't like this feeling at all. And thank the Lord, time had just gone by and gone by. A few days turned into a week and a few weeks and a few months. And I'm thinking, okay, I could probably stop worrying about that guy. And, and, and enough time had went by, nothing ever happened, nothing got stolen, nothing, no more phone calls, nothing. And I started to think, Lord, I am thankful for your covering. I'm thankful for your protection. I'm thankful that I get to sit under your banner. I get to sit under the mighty hand of God. And even when an enemy would try to come against me, the Spirit of the Lord will make them turn and flee. Now, that's just one example. You, I'm sure, have similar stories of, uh, I shouldn't have done that, and it made me worried. But look at this verse, because I see the same thing in this verse. Psalms 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And then watch this next part. Except the Lord keep the city... The watchman waketh, but in vain. What's the job of the watchman? He's the, he's the eyes of the army. Or the guard, or the whoever is the, the fighting group, right? The watchman sees something and alerts whoever else. The, the swordsman, the gunner, the cavalry. He, he, he tells whoever, hey, I see something. It's about to get here, and it's not good. What the scripture says is, if the Lord is not keeping the city, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. That means even if the watchman is awake and sees and calls ahead and everything's prepared, it doesn't matter if the Lord is not keeping the city. You can have as much military, firepower, sharp objects, you can have all the weaponry that you want. You can have all the backup that you want. I told this story one time. I, I think many of you probably heard me say this. But I was in a, in a, a meeting at work. And it's working for the county, I get to see different, um, different people of different agencies. But I was in a meeting one time, a few years back, and um, the sheriff, the, the sheriff, walked into the, to the room and sat down right at the, next to me at the table where we were at. And I thought, I am the safest person in Yakima right now. That was literally the way that I felt. I, I wasn't feeling fearful before that. I had nothing to be worried about. I'm in a safe place. You know, 
at work. And nothing's, I don't expect anything to go wrong or anything. But just the simple presence of the individual coming and sitting next to me, I thought, that's a load off. I don't have to worry about anything happening for the next however long he's sitting here. What is it about that? It's security, protection, covering. I identified that in, in this natural sense. But what we see in the scripture is the Lord gives that to us always. He wants to give. That's, that's like part of his job description. Not that we gave him, but that he gives himself. I will be. They will be my children. I will be their father. I will. And so I see this, this scripture, except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes in vain. And I also think about times, even in my own house, that I've been like, I don't know, I guess I can use the word scared. Worried. What is that? Did you hear that noise? Did you hear that? Did you see that? Was that a shadow? What was that? Now, I, I, I'm not trying to belittle anything that we think might or might not be going on in our house, but I'm trying to give us the answer for everything that goes on in our house. Because... God forbid you hear the noise, you wake up and you go find the source of that noise. Anybody ever find the noise? Hardly ever, right? Sometimes, oh, it's just the gate, the wind, or whatever, you know. But it's never what you think it is. But what are you going to do if it is what you think it is? <laughs> and some of us are, I know, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what I'm going to do. If I find who or what I think I'm going to find. And it's in my hand. The Lord is the keeper. The Lord is the protector. Psalm 91.1, this is the last scripture I'm going to read, I believe, but I'm, I want to walk through this just quickly. Psalm 91, verse 1. While, while you're turning there, just another quick story. My son asked me this morning, have I ever called 911? Now, I, they were watching some shark, you know, story about a shark attack, and they're playing the 911 call. And so that's what's getting them thinking. He says, have you ever called 911? I said, yeah, I did. I did when you were a baby and you stopped breathing. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> well, he's almost 12 now, so we're seeing how that played out. But when we were young parents and he was less than a year old, he just liked to stop breathing. He'd get mad, he'd get angry, he'd get fussy or whatever. And then it's, you know, it goes from a cry to a strain to a, like a strangle. Like, and you don't shake him, but you want to. And be like, hey, breathe. And if enough 
time passes and that's not happening, you look at each other and you think, what do we do now? Call somebody. Call. The first thing you do is you call on the Lord. Call on the Lord. And we're praying for him and we're calling. Actually, we called Brother uh, Curtis Johnson because we lived in the same neighborhood as him at that time. And he said, call 911. They're right down the street. They can get here. We call them. Well, we call and they're, okay, we'll be right there. But we're watching him and he's turning all different kinds of colors, you know, and it's like he's this and he's that. And it's like, we already had one child, but she didn't ever do anything like this. He, he just likes to get his parents going or something. So we call and the ambulance shows up, but by the time they get there, he's almost back to his normal self again. He's breathing, he's turning the right color of his skin and, and everything, and it's like, and, and the, the, the paramedics are like, don't worry, it happens all the time. We get these calls all the time. And then we show up and the baby is fine. Or we do whatever we have to do and, and you know, but I mean, we're just like, why did you do this to us? Why did we even have you? <laughs> I didn't say that. But I mean, parents, sometimes you start to think, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't ask for this torture, this torment that my child somehow can put me through. But so, yes, I did call 911 that time. And I called on the name of the Lord, and I called on the elder of the church, and I'm calling everybody that I can think of. And the Lord helped. The Lord wants to help us. He wants to be our protection, our covering, our security. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's, this is not two different locations, okay? The, the dwelling in the secret place is the location. And over that location is the Almighty. And He casts a shadow down. So while you're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, you're dwelling underneath His shadow, underneath His covering. What's the secret place of the Most High? It's where He tells you to be. It's where He has let you know. He gives you information and says, I want you to dwell here. This is my place for you that I've chosen for you. Now, the Scripture does not say everybody dwells under the shadow of the Almighty. No, it's very particular, isn't it? He that, the one that, the individual that dwells where God wants him to be, where God has told him to be, and stays there. Dwell means dwell. Stay. Where is your dwelling? Where do you live? I live in the place where God wants me to be. I only go, oh, who hear me? I only go where he wants me to go. I only 
participate with what he wants me to do. I get outside of that, it's starting to get kind of sunny. Man, I didn't realize there was all these elements out here that I have to face. I wasn't prepared for this. No, you weren't because you were dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. And then you decide to get out from underneath that and all of a sudden raindrops or sunbeams or twisters or whatever it is starts to hit your life. And you're thinking, how did this happen? I can, we see how it happens. When you're not dwelling in the secret place of the Most High that speaks to God's presence where His presence dwells. See, they, this was written in the time of tabernacle. And the secret place of Most High to them meant the holiest of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant dwelled, which contained the Spirit of God. So, so is, the, is the holy place like full of people trying to live? No. It's the understanding that just like His presence dwells in that secret place of the Most High, you dwell in His secret place where He wants you to be. You're under His shadow. Let's keep reading. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He hath... He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee, cover. He's going to cover you. He's going to be over you, protection, casting a shadow over you. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Next verse. Thou shalt not be afraid. Thou shalt not be afraid. You should not be afraid. For the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flieth by day. Next verse. Nor for the pestilence. That's the second time that word is used in this passage. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Now, I'm just going to give a little brief segue. COVID-19. I don't know how many times I heard that referred to as pestilence. And whether it is or not, that's up for debate, I guess. It's up to your understanding of what that means and what you think of of a virus, but in the Bible days, pestilence was pests. It was things that destroyed crops. Crops represented livelihood. How do we live if we don't have something to eat? So a pestilence would come in, it would infest a wheat field, and all of a sudden, what are we going to eat? How are we going to live? How are we going to survive? What do we do? I wasn't prepared for this. Thou shalt not be afraid. Thou shalt not be afraid of. Thou shalt not be afraid of 
pestilence. So, so okay, so if, if COVID-19 was pestilence, does that mean it wasn't real? Does that mean people didn't really get sick? People didn't die? No, that all happened. That was very real. We all lived through it. But some of us feared our way through it. Some of us lived our way through it. We all made our way through it. We got through it, thank the Lord. But fear has no place in the life of someone claiming this scripture. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble if you, if you said, well, I've experienced fear. I've lived with fear. I, I had to do this. I went there and did that. No, I, I'm trying to give you examples of myself, my life. I have experienced fear, worry, doubt. What's going to happen if? I hope nobody knows that. What, what, this is going to go wrong if. And I'm living, I would live in fear of that if I didn't have this understanding of the Scripture. Thou shalt not fear. The Lord does not want us to fear. He wants us to live at the banqueting table. He wants us to live dining with him. Now, I'm not going to say whining and dining with him. I don't know if anybody was thinking of that. But he wants us to live in a relationship so close to him that when I'm at the table with him and I start to hear a little noise, oh, what was that? What was that? Look at me. Look me in the eyes. You're here with me. Don't worry about that. Don't fear that. Oh, I think I heard something outside. Look at me. We're here at the table together, you and I. Don't fear. Let's keep reading. Nor for the pestilence of the doomed. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. So ten thousand people could die from that pestilence. That sounds pretty serious. Now it's not just a promise that nothing bad's going to happen. No, I see I'm, bad things are happening. A thousand people have died. Ten thousand people have died. But it shall not come nigh thee. Next verse. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Next verse. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Again, it's about where you dwell, where you live, where you're spending your time. Habitation is my house. It's where I live. It's my, we use this term in science, habitat. The Lord is my habitat. He's where I live. Next verse. There shall no evil befall thee. Oh, I'm not trying to preach a COVID-19 message, I promise. But I heard this verse very often. Some of, it, some of it good, true, with proper understanding, and some of it people just grasping at straw. I think there's a Bible verse that says nothing bad's going to happen. 
And they go and find it right here. Then they share it. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yes, it's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. It's in exactly how we're seeing it and reading it today. When the Lord is my habitation, when I dwell in the secret place with him under his shadow, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. Why? Because I'm dwelling in the secret place. Next verse. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. I'm taking angels with me. I had a best friend when I was a child. He was actually my pastor's son and, and, and uh, my pastor's wife at the time. They, she told us, you have an angel. You both, all of you, you have a guardian angel. You know, if it helps you to remember that, give him a name. And my friend named his Fred. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm not that clever. I don't have a name for mine yet. But I, I, I think he's standing next to Fred. <laughs> and then he and I, we were just kids. We'd go and play and we'd get in trouble, getting, you know, worried, get hurt or all that. And he would say, it's okay, Fred's here. That's your guardian angel. He will give his angels charge over thee. To keep thee in all thy ways. Next verse. They shall bear thee up with their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Next verse. Thou, sh thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Those sound like some pretty ferocious beasts. I'm not afraid of it. I'm also not spending my time in many lion's dens. I'm not trying to go to the zoo and jump over and put this scripture to the test. No, I've got other scriptures that keep me from doing that. And a brain. I'm not looking for the lion that I can, whew, yeah, let's exercise some of that. Next verse. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. This is, that's the Lord speaking there. Because he set his love upon me, I will deliver him. How do I know that he's set his love upon? Because he dwells with me. He sits at the table with me. Spends time with me. We have a close relationship. And I know I will deliver him because he's put his love upon me. His banner, the Lord's banner over me is love. And I'm living in that loving relationship. Now the scripture also says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's just a side note. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Next verse, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Next verse, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why don't you stand with me?
<clears throat> with long life, I will satisfy him. That scripture, you know something? That scripture is only a good promise if we're living life with the Lord. I don't want to live a, a life, a long life, without the Lord. Then I'm not going to be satisfied. Then I'm not going to be all the things that He just promised me. That's not a long life. That's not, that's not a promise. But with long life, I will satisfy Him so we can continue this relationship. So we can continue to walk hand in hand so we can continue to dine together and now it's just life living with the lord loving him him loving me and protecting me would you pray lord i'm thankful to you I'm thankful for every time, God, you've offered me protection. Every time, Lord, you've been my keeper. God, I know that I can rest assured in you. I can rest assured in your word, God, because you will never leave. You will never forsake us. In the name of Jesus, I want to open these altars. I want to give you a chance to come and pray and, and get alone with God. Come on. The Lord does not just dwell here, but if we find Him and, and meet Him here, we take Him with us. Come on, get alone with the Lord for a moment. Get in that secret place of the Most High. In the name of Jesus, I'm thankful, O oh God. I'm thankful, O oh God. Hallelujah. I need you every day, Father. I need you every day, God. I need to walk with you. I need your hand upon my life. I need the covering of God over my life. Lord, that I would live under the shadow of the Almighty. That I would live under the shadow of the Almighty. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for offering it to me today, O oh God. I lay hold of it, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
think it would be good if we just claim in prayer, if we claim these things that we've heard today over our homes. Can we do that? Jesus, in your name, I pray the protection and covering of God over each home, over each family that's represented here, Lord Jesus. I pray that every one of our homes, Lord, would become a habitation of your spirit, a holy habitation of your spirit, God. Jesus, that no evil thing would come near. God, that there would be no fear there, that there would be no worry or dread or anxiety there. God, I pray that it would become a place of spiritual rest. I pray that it would become a place, God, of spiritual rest, of clarity of mind, of surety of mind, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you set angels about each one of these homes and around each one of your people, oh God. Just as the scripture says, you will give your angels charge over us. Lord, I pray it today in Jesus' name. I pray it upon every child, Lord. I pray it upon every young person, upon every man, every woman. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray it today, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray it today in Jesus' name. Come on, just claim it. Claim it for yourself. Claim it for your family and for your home today. In Jesus' name. Over our homes and over our lives. In Jesus' name, God, we pray. Amen.